This is The Mitch Gray Show, where we are bringing the art of humanity back to leadership. Subscribe to The Mitch Gray Show wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, subscribe to our YouTube channel, Mitch Gray Media, where you'll find each of our episodes and other resources that will equip, inspire, and empower you to lead well. And now, The Mitch Gray Show. What is up, brothers and sisters? Welcome to The Mitch Gray Show. Thank you for listening to the show. Make sure you subscribe anywhere you listen to podcasts. Also subscribe to our YouTube channel, Mitch Gray Media, where you'll find all of our episodes and a whole lot more resources to help you develop in your leadership and with your team. Um, today, I'm very excited as usual about this episode. I have one, I rarely have repeat guests and the last year and a half, I've been so fortunate to have so many great guests and a few of them, the conversation, we couldn't get it all in one episode. And so For me, the best strategy was to make it palatable for you, the listener. And so one of my first repeat guests that I've had on, uh, we have Coach Jim Johnson on the show. Uh, Coach, welcome to the Mitch Gray Show again. Thanks, Mitch. It's always great to see you again, and I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, loving it. Uh, Jim, you were on episode 69. For those that want to refer back and, and listen to that episode again or for the first time, we called that episode the miracle of leadership, and and really you kind of started off. For those that don't know, you spent decades as a as a high school basketball coach and as an educator. You have so many stories. We won't delve into that, but if people want to hear some of those stories and your evolution, they can go back to episode sixty nine. They can also um, order your resources, visit your website, order your book. And so there's a lot they can grab that will kind of send them that direction here in a little bit. Before today, I want to springboard off of the idea of the miracle of a leader and and your story of your uh, evolution as a leader. And I want to talk about the elements of a great leader. And here's the big question we're going to start with. Who is someone in your life that was kind of that great leader and they just reflected kind of the path that maybe you wanted to to take in life? It's a great question. And I'm going to answer it. I'm going to cheat a little bit. I'm going to answer uh, with a trifle. (laughs) Okay. Uh, So, um, you know, as I got interested in sports, uh, one of the major reasons I I grew up in a big family and my father was actually my high school basketball coach. So he was something I really admired growing up. And uh, he really kind of planted the seeds that I I wanted to follow in his footsteps. And ironically, a lot of my family did not go into education, but I did. And uh, so he was certainly a great model growing up. I learned a lot from him, the uh, way he handled challenges and organizing that type of thing. Once I got into coaching basketball, because uh, he was out of it by that time, he got into administration, um, was uh, the, the late, great John Wooden was a, uh, uh, a guy that I really started to, because uh, I was just amazed, you know, I, uh, back when I was growing up, you know, you barely ever uh, you know, there's only a few TV stations and, and once in a while UCLA, because I'm on the East Coast, would be on at like 1130 a night, <laughs> on maybe on a Saturday night and I might be right. able to speak and, and, and watch them and I uh, just um, to see and then as I learned more is when I got into the coaching profession and started reading his materials and listening to some of his interviews, 
uh, I realized that uh, this was a guy that I wanted to really emulate from a perspective. And, and I'll admit early in my career, I was not like him in the sense that I was very emotional, uh, didn't handle adversity too well early in my career. So uh, that would be uh, a great. And then I'm going to go off the track and just give you a third guy um, that he has, has nothing to do with uh, athletic coaching. But when I really got into my own personal growth, I, I follow a lot of, you know, I read a lot. I listen to a lot of now podcasts, but I used to a lot of, listen to a lot of audio programs to, get to right. show my age, uh, cassette tapes, which people don't know <laughs> what those are now. Uh but one of the people that I started listening, I actually got a VHS of a, of a seminar he did. It was a guy named Jim Rohn, R-O-H-N. And uh, Jim Rohn was Tony Robbins' first mentor. And uh, I had not heard of him. I had heard of Tony Robbins because he became more famous than his mentor. But uh, I got big in the Nightingale Conan programs. And his program was sent to me. And I, I watched it. And I just, I still listen to him today. And he's been dead for over a decade. So, uh, but he was just a guy that uh, really got me understanding really life principles, you know, right. leading myself. And then because once you lead yourself, then you can be a much better leader of others. So between those three, and certainly I admire a lot of other leaders that I've learned a lot from, but those are the three that kind of jump out at me. Jim, how do you, um, before we really dive in, I know you have some specific elements you want to share with us about, about being a great leader, but yep. when we're talking about mentors, people we learn from, for a lot of people, it is their their parents or someone in their family. Uh, for some, it may be a coach that they had. For some, it may be a, a pastor or whoever. But when someone uh, is is kind of gleaning knowledge and information from these people, how do you take that? I'm going to ask a twofold question. Number one, how do you take what you're learning and apply it? Well, what's what's maybe the best way to do that? But then number two. There's, there's a saying going around now called imposter syndrome. And, and mm. for those that don't know, basically what that means is Coach Jim Johnson is my mentor and I dress like him, talk like him, act like him, because I really don't know who I am yet. And by the way, I think all of us go through that because I just think it's a phase in life. But, yes. but first of all, how do you apply it? And second of all, how do you apply it in such a way that is authentic to your personality, your passion, your DNA? You know, those are wonderful questions because the initial thought uh, early in my career when I got into coaching, you know, I would go to conferences or talk to successful coaches and you want to implement everything they do yes. because they've been successful. And at my point early in my career, I wasn't right. And so uh, but what you really what I figured out and I didn't get this right away, don't get me wrong, but if I could help young people, because that's one of my real drives right now is to help young people become better leaders is, is really as much as this is simple, we forget about it is you got to be clear about who you are and how do you lead yourself. And when I started to do a better job of having clarity, I know we're going to talk a little bit about my seven keys. I talk about in being an effective leader but uh, I, I really push people to get clarity on who they are from, I, I really push them to get into uh, writing down their own personal mission statement. You know, what are they all about? And, and just to share, when I gain clarity, my mission statement is to be an outstanding role model that makes a positive difference in the world by helping others make their dreams come true. 
And when I got clarity about that, it really helped me become a better leader because I knew who I was. And my, and my players, you know, because I led basketball teams and at the high school level for many, many years, is that they understood who I was, what I stood for, what my yes. non-negotiables were. Yes. And then to answer your question specifically, when I gained clarity about who I was, then I could take ideas that I gained from other people, whether I watched them practice or listen to them at a conference or, or just talk to them on the phone or read their books and say, oh, I like that idea. Now, how do I use it to help Jim Johnson be a better leader in leading others rather than just taking any idea and just trying to copy them. Cause I found that uh, if you just try to copy them uh, then like you said, you become the imposter because right. you're not, you're really just trying to be a robot and I, you gotta be you, you gotta figure out who you are. And then I, I believe great leaders are always seeking for new ideas or better ideas or better ways to do things. And that's what I really tried to do is throughout my whole career, I really try to tinker. How can we make our system better? How could I communicate better? How could I listen better? You know, we, the list could go on and on. And then every time I got an idea, because I remember my first two couple basketball clinics, I wanted to come back with like 400 ideas, <laughs> right. you know, because you're overwhelmed because, you know, you're young, you don't know much about it. You And, you know, you're listening to successful leaders and you're like, oh, that must work. But they don't all work for you, you know, and that's what you got to figure out. And when I became a better coach of leading me, then I'd go to a clinic and I might pick up two or three mm. ideas. Mm. And then I would figure out how can I best implement to the way I can teach it, the way I can lead. And, and when I did that, I became much more effective. And that's really an approach. Um, you know, great leaders are readers. And mm. so they're reading often. And it's really the same approach when, um, when you're reading books. It's, yeah. so if, you, if you get a good one, and if you kind of read a good author that you connect with, it's easy to walk away from a book with a hundred different ideas, right? Oh, it's yeah, like, yeah. I want to implement all this. And I, I think one one piece of, you know, kind of one element of life we underestimate and undervalue is patience. Mm, yeah. We want to do everything immediately. We want change yeah. to happen immediately. And the bottom line is change and growth is never ending. So right. don't think you're going to arrive at your ultimate growth capacity because hopefully you're not going to. <laughs> That's the beautiful thing about life. And so I love what you're saying is that you know, know your purpose, know your mission, have clarity on that. And then you can really align the things that are going to help you grow in the direction that you're headed. And, and the fact of that is we're all headed in a different direction because we're all different people. And so right. that's Absolutely. a wonderful thing. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. I, you know, one of the things I'll say, uh, cause you got, I think your point is so powerful is the fact that, uh, I, one of the things I challenge in one of my presentations, I talk about the 10 questions all effective leaders should be able mm. to answer. And they're really about questions about your personal leadership. And one of them is, do you have your own personal growth plan? Like I, I'm very analytical. Like I, I want to feed my mind. I got, I write it right out. I want to go 70 minutes at least every day, feed my mind, whether it's reading, listening yeah. to an audio program while I'm driving in the car or walking and listening to a podcast, whether I'm doing some work around the house that I can put a podcast on. You know, those are all different things that I try to do so that I'm feeding my mind every day because I, I totally be like one of my words that's powerful to me is growth. I, yes. I'm always yes. trying to find ways that I can grow myself 
so I could help grow others, which I think that's what we great leaders do. Yeah, I love that. I love that. So let's get into the elements of a great leader. We're, we've already kind of alluded to a few of them just in talking about growing and knowledge and reading and studying under other um, great leaders. So if you're to sit down, I, I want to kind of skinny this down as much as possible. You do a lot of presentations, you speak mm-hmm. to a lot of groups, but let's say that you're just mentoring one listener of, of the Mitch Gray show. Maybe they're a, mm-hmm. they're an entrepreneur, they're trying to grow their business. Um, they're trying to get to that next level and, and they're beginning to take inventory. They're beginning to measure and kind of look at their own growth and development. So let's kind of start there. You're sitting in a room having coffee with this person. Um, what does it look like when you say, Joe, here are the elements of a great leader. These are the things that you're going to strive for because we often have to start with the larger picture and then work our way backwards so it all makes sense. So where would you start? What does that look like? Well, you know what? I'll I'll give you an outline of of some of the things I would share with people. But I think the one thing that uh, you have a good, powerful question, the fact that when you're mentoring people, you want to make sure that they can comprehend and take it in in small pieces. So I'm going to probably give you the whole package. But again, you got to start with with the smaller dimension. So the first thing I call it clarifying your vision. So I think all greater leaders have a vision. And to me, I break that down into my own personal mission, which we've already talked about. And then the other thing is understanding what your team or business mission is. And one of the areas when I've talked to businesses a lot about, because I do this a lot with teams as well, is it's great to have a team mission statement on the wall. But does everybody, number one, know it? And two, are they living it? Like, yes. I'll give you very briefly, when we when I took over programs, because one of the things I kind of got known is as a turnaround artist. So I took over three programs that I've been losing. We were able to fortunately turn them around. Is that we talked about, uh, our team mission was that we wanted to develop winners on and off the court. And so we really wanted to be clear. And, and uh, one of the things, I, Patrick Lencioni is another guy, I read a lot of his information. He made a comment that I thought was so powerful that I never thought of exactly this, but I think I got very good at it. And he called, is instead of being the CEO, you should be the CRO the chief reminding officer. Mm. And I think as I evolved in my career, I did a much better job of reminding what it takes to be a winner on the court, what it takes to be a winner off the court. That What we are trying to do through the avenue of basketball is to teach life skills and life principles to help these young men after they get out of high school so they can continue to be successful and be able to lead themselves and lead others. So that would be the first thing is, again, uh, leading. Now, the second thing is because leaders, you have to have people to lead, right? So I, I, I did that a lot for teams. And the second key I always talk about uh, is building trust. And one of the things that I've talked to a, a lot of teams and organizations over the years is that um, there's no one that I've ever presented to that says trust is important. I mean, it, that's fairly obvious. Here's where I try to uh, really put it right between their eyes. So as I say, when you take over a situation and you know trust is important, do you have an intentional plan Mm. of how you're going to build that trust? 
And most of the time I get this very strange look on their face that they don't really have any idea. They know trust is important. And so one of the things I talk about is, you know, really having a plan on how you can build trust. We, we focused on three things. One was that we wanted to um, align our words and actions consistently. Number two is that we wanted to build everything on telling each other the truth. And then the third thing is uh, I took this many years ago from uh, the one minute manager, Ken Blanchard, is that especially because I took over three programs that had been bad. And so uh, I think as a leader um, to build that trust, you got to focus on catching them doing more right than wrong. Certainly as a leader, there's your job is yes, you got to correct mistakes and critique. But I, th I think when you get that mindset that I'm going to catch them doing more right than wrong, um, that really starts to build that trust account. So that would be something that I would really share with them is that, and I've heard a lot of different things. I've, I've heard like that uh, uh, you can, as a leader, you can uh, assume trust and then mistrust is earned by how they act. Okay. I, I, uh, I've looked at a little bit more like I want, because, especially when I took over something new, I wanted to trust them, but I also wanted them to earn the trust and they wanted it. I had to earn their trust too. So I, I felt it was kind of like building a bank account where, you know, each day if I'm putting in enough deposits and not taking withdrawals. And then the one caveat I'd say about trust, uh, I'll give you a great example uh, since we just saw it uh, just before this recording is Urban Meyer. Uh, I don't know if you saw the story where he, you know, he uh, did not go back with the team from Cincinnati. He's from Ohio. So I get that part to a certain degree. Uh, but then the fact that he was out, you know, and a, a video came out of him dancing with someone that was not his wife. Uh, and you know what? I'll be in really interested. I, I'll be very surprised uh, if he could ever get the trust back from the team. I mean, they could say all the right things. But boy, that's a really powerful thing. And what my point was, is one of the things I always share with leaders is that it takes time to build trust, but you can destroy it with one really bad choice. I'll give you one last example in my own life. Fortunately, I didn't do this, but uh, my last 23 years in coaching, I decided because it, as I got more into really being, I wanted to be a, a great example, a role model to my players is I actually told all the parents and players when we chose the team that I would not drink alcohol during the season. Now, that, that's something I didn't have to do, but I decided that that could be a, a really nice thing to do from an example perspective. Now, the fortunate thing, I did that my last 23 years, and I never drank at all. But I always throw it back to the audience. They say, now, imagine if you promised your team that you wouldn't drink alcohol, and then two weeks later, you get pulled over for DWI. What do you think that would do to the trust? Again, I, I think that's something, I don't know if you'll ever get it back. Uh, if, if, if you do, it's gonna take a long period of time because when you make a drastic mistake like that, you break your word, that uh, can really be detrimental to you. The third key I talk about is creating an edge. And what I found is that you know, we talked about this a little bit before is that I believe effective leaders are always growing themselves so they can grow their team. And so I was always searching for better ways to do things, new ideas. And we also reinforce some things like I'll give you an illustration, something I, I know it's gotten much bigger, but when, when I started it, 
it was not very big. And that was, we used to do imagery sessions with our team. And uh, I found that that was really powerful. In fact, we, I'll tell you a quick story. My uh, second, my last year in coaching, I had a really good player that actually is now um, playing with the Houston Brackets. Hopefully he'll stick with the team. He played the last couple of months with them last year, but his senior year, uh, his name was Anthony Lamb, and he gets fouled in our semifinal of our postseason tournament uh, on a three-pointer, down three with seven seconds to go. So he's basically got to make all three, or chances are we're going to lose. Doesn't he make all three? And we win in overtime. And after the game, I remember the uh, uh, reporter asking him, and I, I wasn't too far away, and, and the reporter says, well, Anthony, can you tell us what were you thinking? He goes, goes, sir, we've done imagery so much. I just looked and I said, I've done this more times than I can count. I know I'm going to make these shots. And, you know, it really reinforced the, the power. So I think it's really important that you keep seeking. And that's why I call it creating edges, finding different little ways. Um, I'll give you one other quick illustration. One of the things I think I was a little bit ahead of my time, and certainly a lot of things I wasn't, but I, uh, I realized that our teams needed to get uh, stronger. And, and I knew enough to get dangerous, but I actually brought in a strength coach before. Now they're quite prevalent, but back you know, when I was coaching, it was not nearly as prevalent. And it really helped our teams. We, we got stronger, we we're physical. Um, and uh, so just things like that, I think is really important. Uh, the fourth key is what I call effective communication, which uh, the huge thing, I, you know, the old adage, you have two ears and only one mouth. Uh, so you should listen twice as much as you talk. But I will say that for the first half of my career, I did not follow that very well at all. I, I was one of those guys that kind of thought he knew everything. And, you know, and I wasn't very good at listening to my players. And I will tell you that my second half of my career, well, we had so much success uh, that, one of the things I did way better is I really listened to my players. In fact, we started, I implemented a captain's meeting and we would do it every Monday at the start of the week. And my first question was, um, tell me about the team chemistry. And my second question is, what can we do to get better this week? And how can I be a better coach for you? So those are the kind of things. And I would just sit and listen and they would do most of the talking and boy, that was way different than when I started. But I, you know, I think the one thing that we forget is that uh, the people that you are, are putting out there, you know, and no matter what situation, they more many times know better than you because they're out there. Like, you know, like, as much as I did play basketball, you know, when I was a coach, I wasn't playing. So I would often ask them, you know, well, how is this guy playing? Why, why are you having trouble with it? You know, and then I can help from there rather than always trying to be the know-all when I didn't know it all. And uh, right. I think that was really essential. So effective communication, uh, I'll, I'll add one other thing about that is I think it's really important with communication that you run effective meetings, uh, mm -hmm. whether it's a captain's meeting, a team meeting. I think the other thing is really powerful, uh, you know, because right now we're still a lot of using uh, things like Zoom like we are today, is making sure you're doing one-on-one -on -one meetings. And before you get into the meet, really always show that you care about the person. Find out a little bit, you know, what's going on in their life. You know, how's their family doing? Um, you know, because uh, the old adage, and I think there's so much truth, people don't care how much you, you know until they know how much you care. So I think that's a really powerful thing. The fifth key I talk about is 
pretty simple from a word standpoint, but as I just brought up earlier about Urban Meyer, so often much harder to do, and that's the famous lead by example. Uh, and the, uh, you know, one of the things that, um, you know, I've talked to, uh, you know, a lot of coaches over the years, and I just think it's really important that you're a model for your your teams on and off the court, how you handle adversity. I also, I also think personally, especially in athletics, although I, I think it's important and I think because it helps you from energy, I think you should take care of yourself. Mm-hmm. You, know, if, you know, if you're fit, uh, it's a lot easier to encourage your players to get in better shape when they know you're in shape rather yeah. than, you know, if you're 200 pounds overweight and you're saying, hey, you know, run a little harder. And they're like, yeah, coach, <laughs> when's the last time you ran? Uh, so I, I think, you know, that being a model, we used to tell our players all the time um, that you're always on stage, you know, and somebody's always watching. And if you keep that in perspective, then I think it, it, you'll make sure that you do a better job of leading by example. My sixth key I, is what I call my leadership philosophy, and that is leaving a profit. And simply what that is, is that um, everything that we touch, we want to get better, not worse. Or in other words, everything we touch, we want to turn to gold, not garbage. And, you know, one of the illustrations I've used over the years is when we would take our team to an opponent's school, you know, we'd always go into the locker room and, you know, get changed and all that. And one of the things we always talked about is we want to leave the locker room in better shape than we did. And going back to my lead by example, if I walked into an opponent's locker or, you know, another school's locker room and I saw a piece of garbage on the floor, I pick it up. You know, now I didn't leave it there. I mean, I, I'm not in from the school. But again, you're really setting a standard for your team by, uh, you know, really having clarity of your philosophy and then sharing it day in and day out, that famous CRO, Chief Reminding Officer. And then the last one that kind of puts it all together and uh, is servant leadership. And that is, um, to me, there's two points to servant leadership. One is that the mindset, and this is again where I got way better the second half of my career. <laughs> I didn't, I wasn't a very good servant leader my first half. I'll, I'll be the first to admit that. Uh, but really, turning the pyramid and the old, you know, famous uh, leadership is that you know the leader's on top and everybody works for him or her. No, it's the leader, the most effective leaders I believe today believe they're serving their team people. And then the other part about servant leadership, and we've talked a little bit earlier about growth, is I think it's hugely important to be, if you're going to be an effective leader, and, you know, this is part of legacy, is are you helping grow other leaders? Mm. Uh, like, I was really proud. You know, I retired uh, in my first three years out of coaching. My assistant took over me uh, that was with me for 16 years as my assistant, and it was really cool because it took me 20 years to get to our first championship game. He made the championship game in his first year. <laughs> so, uh, uh, but, you know, I felt really proud because, you know, a couple of things. One, you know, I mentored him for a long time. And the fact that we had built a program together and, you know, the fact that he could keep it going and, and do really good things. I'm really proud of that. And that's something I think we got to think about as a leader. Are we developing other leaders? And, you know, can the, the program, the business, whatever it happens to be, continue to prosper and even get better mm-hmm. when you're not there? Mm-hmm. But you made your, your footprint in there with, mm-hmm. you know, what you did to help build that. And I think that's a really powerful thought. 
One of my favorite uh, sayings is your your number one priority as a leader is to work yourself out of a job. It's mm, a great point. And, and that's exactly what you just said. I, I want to do such a great job leading that I'm, I'm no longer needed. And yeah. it's amazing how many people in leadership positions are afraid of that thought. And it's directly mm-hmm. stemmed from insecurity, lack of identity, et cetera. But yep. when you're secure in who you are and you have clarity, much like you've talked about, your, your goal is to work yourself out of a job, but your team right. does such a great, I mean, they, it just, it happens. And yeah. um, that's a great measurement of a great leader. And yeah. I want to go back to a few things that you mentioned. Sure. Number one, for those that don't know the sports world, Urban Meyer is the head coach of a professional football team in America. Mm-hmm. Um, and so anyway, Google him and you'll see the story and you'll immediately know what Jim is, is uh, identifying and, and uh, connecting there. So the other thing I want to go back to is, uh, you talked about the, the second element is you talked about building trust. Yeah. What are, uh, because I, I 100% am with you on that. I, I do think building trust is a proactive, you know, a lot of people say, well, you have to, you know, people need to earn their trust. And I think that's a backwards thought. I mm-hmm. think it should be each individual's responsibility to build that trust. And, mm-hmm. and you're right. You can lose it in a heartbeat, but right. If we're going to talk about proactive trust building, what are just a few, maybe two or three things that a leader could do with their team to begin building that trust again proactively? Well, I'm going to start with a simple one and kind of a general, and then we can talk a little bit about uh, you know some things from a consistent basis. The first thing is, is I really believe if you really want to build trust, uh, I'm horrible. I've already said it, but it, it's to me the essence is you, you have to be willing to listen. Mm-hmm. Uh, people mm-hmm. want to believe that they are being heard, and one of the yeah. things that where I felt I got better, I've used this example a lot, is I would always tell my players that I want to hear from you. I want to hear your ideas. I want to hear your complaints. But I always would give them this one caveat. I'd say, you know what? I'm not always going to agree with you. And, and if I don't agree with you, I will tell you that and I'll tell you why. And they, for the most part, would really respect that because they knew that I would be, uh, I was always willing to listen. And we certainly made a number of changes after I did listen. But at the same time, I, you know what? I still had some solid principles that I was going to follow. And if I thought it would break one of those principles or was, you know, maybe unethical or whatever, then, then that, that wasn't going to happen. So uh, those are things that are, um, you know, I think building that trust is the ability to want to listen and want to talk to your people. Um, along the same lines is you got to be willing to ask questions and built, wanted all the answers. Uh, and, and those are something we were constantly doing. That's where we talked about one-on-one meetings and we had small group of their captain's meetings, um, you know, um, and those types of things. The second thing I'll say is that trust, one of the major factors is consistency. Yes. Uh, yes. And like, you know, one of my non-negotiables was being on time, okay? So, 
if you can ask my players, I coached a long time. How many times was coach Johnson late? And I I'll guarantee you, they said one word, never, okay? <laughs> because you know, that was me. That was, you know, like I, uh, being on time was a skill. I thought that everybody needs to be able to do because it's going to help you in life. And as I used to kid them, if you can't be on time, be early. Uh, and then uh, you won't, won't, won't have any problems with that piece of it. But I, I think when you're aligning your words and actions from a consistent standpoint, if we're starting practice at 2.15, practice started at 2.15, believe me. Uh, you know, and when you start to build that credibility day in and day out that we're going to do things uh, consistently, uh, then, then they start to respect that a lot. Uh, and they know that, that, you know, that's part of the deal. Like one of the things that I'm going to get off on a very quick tangent, I'll, I'll pull this up back is that, um, you know, I, when I thought about building our basketball programs, the two things that I really thought about is that I wanted to make it challenging, but also exciting in the sense that they feel like they're part of something special. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, but at the same time, uh, the challenging piece, like, for example, we were one of the few teams in my school and probably around the area that practiced before school, you know, and, and I, early on, I know when we first started that, our players, they weren't too happy about that. Mm-hmm. But then it became a badge of honor. Hey, we practiced before well, you guys were even, you know, up. Right. Uh, so I think those are things you can build in where they st- really it kind of turned around and that's something special. And of course, we started to get better results on the court, which helped. Uh, but I think it's really important that you start to build that concept that you are. It's going to be challenging to be part of our team, but it's, you're also going to feel special. And, and that's when I think you can really unite and build that trust in the team. Uh, and then, you know, we I think you've got to be intentional, like. Uh, you know, we, as we go through the season, we would take uh, a day where we might uh, cut practice short and just have a, a, a talk, you know, and, and go through things and, you know, how are things going, you know, or having one-on-one meetings, having clarity uh, of those kinds of things. And every year after the season ended before our postseason, we actually took a whole day of practice and it was, we didn't bring any basketballs out. It was all team building, you know, just trying to reunite the team for our next journey, uh, which is now a one and done thing, you know, where if you lose a game, the season's over. Um, So that's another way that we try to, again, reignite and uniting that team, making sure that we're all on the same page in building trust. Uh, but I, I really get, I want to emphasize that uh, building trust is something that you got to be consistent and it should be intentional, that, you know, day in and day out. And if you do those things, um, great opportunity to build that trust. And Jim, I want to connect um, this idea of building trust consistently actually gives you the permission to create a challenging opportunistic atmosphere. Yes. There's a difference, and it's what we used to call positive turmoil, that we would mm-hmm. we would intentionally create positive turmoil. But if you haven't built that trust, you've not given yourself permission to put your people in a situation of challenge yes. and, and of positive controversy and turmoil. And so, right. you know, a lot of times you see that, you see it in any industry, retail, service industry, athletics, where a team is facing uh, a tumultuous situation, whether it's a really 
busy time of the year. We're coming up on the holiday season for those te- those those leaders that have retail teams. This is your right. Super Bowl season. This yeah. is your time. And so they get to these seasons and it's like, wow, we didn't meet the standards we had expected. Well, there's a reason for that. And it's because they had never faced those situations before. Mm-hmm. And, and, I, and I think for me personally, and I know for you, because we're guys that come from sports backgrounds, you know, that's the one thing that is really advantageous about being in, a, in an athletic background right. is you hopefully have people that are constantly putting you in tumultuous situations and practice yeah. So that when you face the tumultuous situation in reality, it's no longer a challenge. You've right. been like your player said, I've been here a hundred times before, Yeah. but leaders can't, they don't have the permission to do that because they haven't built up the trust bank yeah. to where their people trust them. It's like, Whoa, what are you doing? Why are you putting yeah. us in this situation? <laughs> and, and so I think I want to connect to that point so that people hear that very clearly, that Building trust isn't just about you being a better leader. It's actually about you getting permission to take your team to the next level. Yeah. Because they have to have trust in you there. And so the, the other thing, and kind of the last thing I want to hit on for a second, and you you didn't use this word, but you alluded to it often through your seven um, keys to becoming a great leader. And that is uh, the idea of gratitude. Mm. And you mentioned it kind of at the end in servant leadership yeah. and really- right. Jim, this is what I, you know, the mantra of our show is bringing the art of humanity back to leadership. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly the picture you're painting, that when you can be a leader that leads from your humanity, you know, let's go back to Urban Meyer. Mm -hmm. He made a terrible decision. He made a mistake. The best thing he could have done in that moment is just told the truth and said, I messed it up. I messed it up, you know, and, and that's the best thing he can do now, whether or not he gains their trust back, I'm with you. I think it's going to be difficult, but that's the idea of leading from your humanity. So let's talk about gratitude for a few minutes. What are some actionable steps that a leader can take to show gratitude? Because really showing gratitude is a bit different than building trust. Yes. Yeah. So what are some things someone could do and take with them from this episode? Yeah, so I, that's a wonderful point. I think you you know you just shared a really powerful thing with uh, building trust and now moving to gratitude. Well, I think the one thing is is you know uh, is can you consistently show that you care about your people? Mm. I'll, I'll give you a few illustrations. We did number one is that you uh, you definitely have to recognize like on a on a consistent basis. Like for us, we you know we were practicing or playing usually six out of every seven days. So I'm seeing them pretty much every single day, and so uh, I got to make sure that I'm praising the things that uh, that not necessarily. I don't want to overdo it where it's just ridiculous, but I want to praise them right. for things that. Going back to yours is is a challenge. For example, like I'm, and I'm I'm trying to explain this way, taking a defensive charge in basketball. That is a play that we really praised highly, and uh, but it's because some is not easy. You know, you're giving up your body, <laughs> right. and that kind of thing. Right. Another example is praising when somebody dives on the floor for a loose ball, or sprints back and back tips a guy, or deflects a pass because of a hustle play. Another thing that we really tried to emphasize praising was making the extra pass. You know, yeah. with it, instead of you taking a shot that maybe was pretty good, you got a teammate a better shot. 
And so those are the things. So building that and then really trying to build that amongst each other. Like, you know, when someone throws them a nice pass that they give them a little point, you know, we're not looking to, to make a big dance about it, but at the same time that they were starting to build that, where that gratitude of someone doing something nice for them. Uh, you know, a couple of things that I really um, uh, tried to think about, how could I uh, do that? Well, I would send little notes of appreciation if I thought somebody uh, did something uh, a little bit above and beyond. An another thing I did very consistently is when I took over the program, I got everyone, and I'm talking we, where I coached, we had five teams. We had a seventh grade team, an eighth grade team, a ninth grade team, a junior varsity, and a, and a varsity. So, you know, I was the head of the varsity, but I was, you know, I was the guy in head of the whole program. Every single kid in my program, uh, his birthday was on my calendar. And I would, we had these cards made up and I sent every single kid a birthday card. And, you know, you'd be amazing because at the school I was at, even though it was a pretty good sized school, we had the high school and the middle school together. We had three, four, it was a pretty big school. And I'd have a little middle school kid come down to me and says, thank you coach for the birthday card. And I've always kidded people, you know what, that little middle school card, a kid, you, how many other birthday cards did he receive right. from, from an educator? I can tell you pretty much probably zero. Or anyone um, outside of outside of their family. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. So those are just as simple as that sounds. And just either of things like, you know, we talked about earlier, building winners on and off the court. So one of the things I would do is I would send a little note to everyone that made uh, honor roll or above. And then we would also post every player in our program that made honor roll or high honor roll on our bulletin board. So again, we're trying to sh sh show appreciation for something that, you know, it, it really doesn't have a lot to do with basketball, but it does as far as the complete person. Cause you know, if you're an educator, you certainly right. want to help kids do well in class. It's not just on the basketball court. Uh, and then I think it even goes like things like uh, I, I got very good at writing thank you notes, like, you know, whether if it was parents that helped out with a fundraiser or whatever, I was very cognizant of um, showing the gratitude, the appreciation for the time thing. And then I think another thing is, is, you know, culminate your season with something special. Mm -hmm. um, like, as I said, we, you know, our season, we, we expected a lot of our players, but boy, we had a really nice banquet at the end. And we did a lot of uh, showing our appreciation. We gave, you know, obviously team awards and some individual awards and, and praise them and, and being cognizant of what you are praising when you do that you're specific with it. And then find different ways to praise. Now, you know, when I first started, there was no such thing as texting, <laughs> which right. of course is now. But, you know, towards the end of my career, I, if I appreciated something a young man didn't practice, I might text him after and say, hey, John, it was wonderful how you, you know, you're, you showed great hustle. Try to be specific with your praise and your gratitude. I, I, again, I think you really got to be cognizant of thinking about how can I show my gratitude or my appreciation or my praise uh, in, in making sure that I'm trying to do that consistently? Uh, and because I think we often neglect that. Yes. And you know yes. what, when people don't feel like they're appreciated, then you got, you got a very big void in your team or organization. 
Yeah, I totally agree. And when we're talking about businesses, you know, the, the data tells us one of the number one reasons people leave a job is because they're, they feel unappreciated. They feel yes. devalued. And right. what I love about the examples you gave is again, those are, those are implementable across industry. It doesn't matter mm-hmm. what you're doing. And I want to encourage people. This episode is actually going to release close to the holiday season. People are planning their end of the year parties, et cetera. Don't have a meeting or a party just because have some intention behind it. Because again, when we're talking about building trust, one of the best ways to lose trust is to waste people's time. And so be intentional. I love how you said, you know, have an event, have a banquet, but do it for a reason, not just because it's that time of year or everyone else is doing it. And that really goes a long way in creating value and appreciation. So um, Jim, this has been great. Once again, I love that we got to dig down into some specifics. Tell everyone how they can keep in touch with you or where you would like to send them to, to sure. stay connected. So, uh, I'll just give you a little, um, uh, my, my website is coachjimjohnson.com, uh, which is, uh, you know, I do have a book called the coach in America. I'm actually working on a second book right now. Hopefully we'll get that done is for young and emerging leaders. I do a lot of different things. So I, it, we have a free newsletter, a free weekly uh, blog that I write. In fact, ironically, I was going to share with you real quick that I, uh, I write a blog every week. And, and ironically, you brought up a little bit about, um, you know, putting your teams or individuals into pressure situations. And that actually, I did a five uh, week blogs uh, on athletic coaching. And my last blog that just came out today was about how you can put your team in pressure situations to get them ready for games, uh, which, which is the same co- uh, correlation, you know, yes. like you were talking about with a business, you know, during, you know, some of their busy seasons. Well, what are you doing to get your people prepared and ready for that? I think is a really important uh, and then, you know, I, we have a, a YouTube channel uh, where we have that. And uh, I do social media. So if you, uh, I'm on uh, LinkedIn and, and Twitter and Facebook and YouTube, or, or uh, also uh, Instagram, I started a little bit. But uh, so I do a, a daily thought, a success thought, and then I do some type of leadership. Uh, I call it a daily dose of leadership. And then, you know, we do And I, and lastly, I just started a podcast called Limitless Leadership Lounge. And uh, what we, it's uh, a tri-generational. We have a young man that's our host. He's 23 years old. Uh, then we have a professor, college professor, a female that's actually originally from Bangladesh um, that I'm working on the book with. And she's in the, the mid range of our ages. And then the old guy is uh, 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 <laughs> anchoring it, but we have a lot of fun with it. We, we do uh, some where we just talk about a leadership thought and we want to help young and emerging leaders. And we also bring in guests uh, as well. So um, that's okay. been a fun thing for me. And so I, I love leadership. I can never help people. I, I do a lot of presentations uh, and I both do them virtual and in person. So if I can help anybody in any way, uh, certainly that's what I'm here for. Jim, thank you so much for coming on the show again. This has been amazing and, uh, and we just appreciate it. So, uh, so thanks. Yeah. Good stuff. My pleasure. Good stuff. Uh, thank you friends for listening to the Mitch Gray show. Again, make sure you subscribe anywhere you listen to podcasts, subscribe to our YouTube channel, Mitch Gray Media. And make sure you connect with Coach Jim Johnson. Uh, I can I can attest that he will inspire and encourage you and give you some good stuff. So we hope you have a great day and hope you're well. And we'll talk to you soon.